All right, let's roll. Brad, I'm waiting for an apology. So let's start off right now. How can you choose seeing one of your best friends enshrined in the Hall of Fame over doing my podcast? <laughs> oh, man, priorities, you know? <laughs> how, how was Canton? Was it good times? We had an awesome time. Uh, Lynch was my roommate for three years in, in Tampa. Played against him a bunch when I was with other teams in Minnesota and Washington. And uh, never thought he'd be a TV guy. Never thought he'd be a GM. And then now he's Hall of Fame. He's done all the above. But we had a great time. Stayed with Joe Jaravicious. Allstott was there. John Howell, uh, Casey Weldon. Well, I think it was 48 hours of non-sleep. So we had a great time. The party at Lynch's party was incredible. Had um, everybody, you name it, they were all there. He had um, Lionel Richie was doing the concert. He was wearing a red jacket. And on the sequence on the back, it said, hello. So it was a pretty cool time. Was that the first time one of your boys has ever been inducted? Uh, well, two other guys in Tampa, um, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks. And then in Minnesota, we had, uh, obviously, uh, Warren Moon, John Randall, Randall McDaniel, a uh, bunch of guys, Chris Carter. Uh, so I played with a bunch of guys that ended up making it. Was that the first time you ever went to Canton to watch one of your friends, though? That's the third time I've been to watch it. You are so. such a Johnny one-upper. I already see where this is going. Hey, how, how was Lynch's bust? Because some of the busts, some of the faces are horrible. How was his thing? You know, I didn't get up close on it, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to mess up a face like that, so I don't know. Was, I, I, didn't get, I didn't get to touch it. Brad, when a lot of people meet uh, athletes and superstars, they always go to a crutch, like one thing, like, oh, Jeter, the flip or this or that. When people see Brad Johnson, what do they always bring up when they meet you? You know what? Um, they, a lot of them, they talk about the touchdown pass to myself in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Always talk about that. Always talk about the Super Bowl. Um, and now they call me the TikTok guy. So watch me on making, making trick shot videos. So I guess that's what I'm known for now. Well, where'd that come about? Because first of all, give the plug where everyone can see these TikTok videos. Where can, where, where can everybody watch them? Yeah. Uh, on TikTok, it's Big Bad Brad 14. And then on Twitter and Instagram, it's, it's, it's Brad underscore Johnson underscore 14. So I didn't even know how to sign up for Instagram or Twitter, any of that kind of stuff. And about a year ago during the pandemic, the kids were there making some TikTok videos. I couldn't be a part of any of the dance things. And, <laughs> I couldn't do it. But then I started making, I started doing workout videos and some stupid stuff, some, some, some stuff in my career. And uh, it was actually, some, I had fun kind of putting them together. And then I started doing some trick shots with basketball and football. And it's not just like one shot at a time. It's a sequence of three or four in a row. Uh, today I was out there for two hours trying to make, I ended up making two videos today. It's a little more harder work than people think. I come back sweating and, <laughs> dehydrated drink a gallon of sweet tea you know what I mean? so well it's great because you'll knock down a 30 footer with a basketball then without any hesitation you throw a football 30 feet and you swish it there obviously you have a basketball background but you're out there for a while punching these out right yeah some of them have gone real fast like in five minutes and some of them you might be out there for two or three hours now i mean it's crazy it is crazy now look at myself i did one the other day i was out there for two hours I had to be somewhere. After that, I went, I took a cold shower, laid on the floor, like three towels all over me, trying to cool down. Uh, didn't get it done, but I came out the next day. But it's really kind of cool because when you do practice something, like you really can, you get better at it. I mean, like, and you start getting creative with some, with some shots. And then if I don't make that last shot, like, 
out the video don't it doesn't get posted. So it, I get a little nervous. I got to make that last shot and kind of have fun with it. Speaking of trick shots, you're on Twitter, you're on social media. Tom Brady, he fooled me when he threw the ball into like the quarterback machine. Did you think it was real or you knew right away? Because I posted him like, this is why he's the greatest. And everyone's like, what's <laughs> fake? Did you think it was real? Uh, he is definitely the greatest, but I did not think that was real. I knew better than that. I mean, I've been around too many jug machines. and I mean, he's got some spectacular people helping him out on the side with some media <laughs> posts and stuff. But but no, nah, he, can, he can do whatever he wants to. And obviously, it brings up the controversy. Did he do it or did he not? But no, nah, it's pretty cool. What, pretty cool the video that they put together, though. When I have on Olympians or best-selling authors, the introduction is always best-selling author Eric Larson, Olympic gold medalist uh, Dan O'Brien. Does it ever get old here in Super Bowl champion Brad Johnson? Because I see the banner behind you. Does it ever get old? Yeah, no, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Now I'm able to, to share those moments, you know. Pretty cool. Like, you know, as a kid, you have these dreams and you just want to be on your youth football team and start for your middle school team and high school team and, you know, try to go to college and percentages of ever making are slim. And, you know, I always tell the story back in 1987, I couldn't decide if I want to play football or basketball. And then I made a hard decision. Bobby Crimmins kind of helped me out of Georgia Tech. Uh, he said, I got a guy named Dennis Scott coming in here. He's probably going to play in front of you, Brad. And uh, but what sport do you think you're best at? And I said, well, I'm better at basketball now, but I got more potential in football. And uh, so Bobby Crimmins taught me into it with Dennis Scott, who ended up having an 11-year career in the NBA. But at the time, it was a guy named Ben and Testaverde. They said that, Brad, you can be on that reign as far as being a six foot five quarterback. And then that's when Phil Sims made the commercial after he won the Disney, after they beat, uh, he's with New York Giants. They beat the great Denver Broncos with John Elway. And he was 22 for 25. And after the game, he said, I'm going to Disney, you know? So I watched that video. You watched the show. And then next thing I know, I'm holding my son, Max, who's two years old. My wife's Nikki, she's seven and a half months pregnant with the other son, Jake. Confetti's falling on our face. And, we said we we're going to Disney, and then 24 hours later, I was riding with Captain Hook on a tilt the world and trying to do videos. So but it was a pretty cool moment, you know. I want to go back a little bit. Growing up, all American football player, all state basketball player, and you answered my question: What other school came in second, recruiting you? North Carolina guy, it's basketball heavy. Wake Forest, NC State. I hate mentioning them, but Duke, North Carolina. I know you wanted Florida State, Georgia Tech. You weren't thinking about going anywhere else for basketball. I love North Carolina basketball. From my high school, Brad Doherty. Okay. We ended up playing in Carolina. He was in my high school. Buzz Peterson was at a local school. Uh, Roy Williams used to coach at my high school before. Oh. Uh, before my, my coach was Bill Burroughs, who actually coached with Bobby Crimmins at Georgia Tech. But Coach Williams, he he came and saw a bunch of my games. I got to, I, I got to sit in Dean Smith in his office, uh, all the above. And uh, But I just didn't think it was the right fit. Didn't think that was the place for me. I was – I wanted. I was going to play for Georgia, Georgia Tech, Bobby Crims. I went to all his camps as a little kid, and thought that was the right fit for me basketball wise. But had a hard time deciding. And uh, I was a late bloomer in football, even though I was had high credentials and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But but um, it took me a while to kind of find my feet and kind of where I really where I was as a quarterback. I was a little bit late bloomer, you know what I mean? But made a great choice. I went to Florida State, played for the great Bobby Bowden. He actually. He passed away this past week, went to his funeral yesterday. It was an unbelievable um, celebration of life and to talk about his legacy and stuff. And that time at Florida State is pretty incredible.
Well, one, my condolences about the great coach Bowden and being a kid from North Carolina, being a, and like you said, a late bloomer. So you weren't this like sixth or seventh grader where everyone's watching you and stuff. How is it getting recruited by a guy and then going to meet Bobby Bowden? Like when, when I talk to people who make the league, and I'm like, how was it being recruited by these legendary coaches? How does that, how does that even comprehend? What do you think of when you meet Coach Bowden? It's different with social media. You know, they didn't have Twitter, didn't have Instagram, didn't have – I didn't even know who was on the roster. You know, you'd have to buy in a magazine to find out who was on the roster. Like, you just didn't get – you couldn't look it up on the internet. So, didn't know who the recruiting process was. Didn't know where you stood throughout the country. Uh, when I went to Florida State, everybody was kind of upset in my hometown and North Carolina. They thought I should have stayed in state. And, and I, I'm a guy that kind of believes you got to blaze your own path. And uh, I said, listen, I feel comfortable with, with going to Florida State. He's going to be a legend, even though you guys don't know it yet. <laughs> I think Bobby Bowden had 170 wins at the time, ended up with 377 wins. I was in the beginning of his 14-year career, finishing the top four in the country every year. But no one knew about Florida State at the time. They didn't get it. And I had to go with my gut, go against the grain a little bit. And, uh, and they kind of found out who Bobby Bowden was later. You, you said you didn't know the whole roster. You walk onto a team. Deion Sanders is on that roster when you're a freshman, right? He was. Obviously, he was. You know, give me one good Neon story. <laughs> you know, Deion created Deion. You remember? I mean, he was a guy, like, if we had big games, we would take a – the bus ride, we stayed in Thomasville, Georgia, about a 45-minute ride on game on game days. It would drop us off at the top of uh, where our where our dorm, dorm was. It was Burt Reynolds Hall. We'd drop off our suitcases and then go down about 200-yard walk, and then we'd go to the locker room for game day. And, but Dion, when we'd get off the bus and walk down, he'd get off the bus and then hop in a limousine, <laughs> and then he'd take his big game day now. So he could he, – <laughs> limousine in college, you know, but I remember honestly with him one time he, he was supposed to run in a 400, four by 100 meet. It was him, Dexter Carter, Sammy Smith, and Arthur Blake. Arthur, I think it was in Olympics and uh, four by 100. They were, they were going 738, 39 seconds, whatever it was. And it was, it was, he was supposed to run at 515. I'd gotten done playing golf at like 455. I stopped up at the dorm. He's in a bathrobe sandals is 1988 he's got a he's got a cell phone like with a big <laughs> cell phone i mean i said prom man you're gonna be late and he said man you know don't cheat us don't stretch before they run i'll be there and uh well, I, I i barely beat him there and he ended up running around the track but he's an incredible athlete phenomenal competitor great teammate uh best player i ever played with who'd you want to beat more florida state do you want to beat notre dame miami or florida you know what? I never got to play against Notre Dame. They weren't okay. our deal. So our whole thing was about beating, winning the state. You had to, you know, if you felt like you could win the state uh, by beating University of Miami or beating University of Florida, you probably had a good chance to win the national championship. So one of those three teams, I think, from like 1987 through now, I'm making it up through 1999, one of those teams was up for the championship every year, whether you won or not. Um, our time there, we lost four times to Miami beat them once. We beat Florida four times, lost to them once, but just great, great games, especially probably for us, you know, more than Miami games, even though they got the better of us. I love draft day stories. And in the early nineties, like you said, there wasn't social media where literally every game on Saturday, on Sunday, there's a thousand new web pages. 
Did you have any inkling where you were possibly getting drafted? Like any idea? Because, you know, Brad, like you yeah. know now, your son now, we're going to talk about him a little bit. He can read mock drafts. In three years, he's going here. Did you have any idea where you were going? Yeah, my senior year, I only started one game. Uh, my best friend was Casey Will, running up to the Heisman that year. We were number one in the country. So I, I really didn't get to play. Uh, I did get to the combine. I felt like when I left the combine, I felt like I was the best quarterback there. Uh, unfortunately, every GM and <laughs> every coach didn't think the same. So I was in the 1992 pit, uh, draft. I was the 227th pick. I was the 14th quarterback taken in that draft. I actually thought the New York Giants were going to take me, uh, the late Jim Fossil. I built up a good relationship with him. He came to work me out. They said they're going to, they're going to draft a, a younger guy uh, early, about the third or fourth round. They ended up drafting Kent Graham. And, um, and so I thought I was out. I had a guy named Dave Campa who was at Florida State. He was working for the Atlanta Falcons at the time. He called me in the eighth round. He said, Brad, if you don't get drafted, there were 12 rounds in that time. If you don't get drafted, we're going to pick you up as a free agent. I said, Campo, I ain't doing it, man. I, I'm going home. I'm going back to North Carolina. I'll be a school teacher. I didn't understand how free agency worked or getting picked in the draft. In the ninth round, my dad was – we were in my dorm room. My dad was laying on the ground. I'm laying on the couch. My dad goes, he goes crazy. I, I couldn't figure it out. It was day three. <laughs> and he said, dad, he said, Brad, I think I saw your name come across the ticker. I said, what? You know, so we, we had about three more minutes. It came through. Brad Johnson, 227th pick. And so we celebrated about five minutes later, I get a call from Denny Green. And um, and it was, it was awesome. You know, he said, he congratulated me. The guy that drafted me was a guy named Jack Burns, who had actually recruited me at the University of Louisville when I was in high school. They kept up my career. So Jack Burns, Denny Green, I was very thankful for them. Ironic that the next year, they knocked the draft down to eight rounds. You wouldn't have been drafted. And do you think, I know initially you just said, oh, I wasn't doing the free agent thing. Did you have a backup plan? Like, okay, I didn't get drafted. Now it's on to blank. Right. Right. I was going to be a school teacher. I want to be a high school coach. Uh, that was my plan. So I got my education in, but didn't really know. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd invested my whole life into sports, basketball, football, and uh, it's competitive. Even though you may be better than someone, even though you think you might have the spot, doesn't matter who you are. You, you, it takes a little luck along the way, um, whether you get whether you get drafted or whether you get drafted to the right team, whether you get an opportunity, whether you're in a, a, a – when does your opportunity come? Do you play too early and, and your career might be short? Um, takes a lot, a lot of work, but a lot of luck too. North Carolina, down to Florida. Now you're going up to the Vikings. You walk in the locker room, Rich Gannon, Roger Craig, Chris Carter, uh, John Randall. You're a rookie, so you're going to get the hazing anyway. How do you even introduce yourself? And this is a fanboy question. How do you introduce yourself? Like, hi, guys, I'm Brad. Hey, Mr. Carter, I'm going to be throwing you the ball. <laughs> well, I remember two things. The first time I met Chris Carter, I didn't really know who he was because we were all college college guys. I didn't I didn't really know the pro game, to be honest okay. with you. But okay. I was talking to Chris Carter, and he, he, he gave me – he sat me down real quick, and he said, Brad, when you throw receivers out here, the, the great become average. When you throw the receivers here, the, the great become really good. When you throw it right here, the great become legendary. And he talked about the accuracy and all those kind of things. And then, but I remember the first meeting I sat in our team meeting, I sat down and I, there were a bunch of chairs there and I sat down and the one of the other quarterbacks said, Hey, Rook, you're in my chair. I've been there for 11 years, you know? And that guy was Wade Wilson. So Wade Wilson, he ended up, I sat in his chair for 11, he sat in his chair for 11 years. They actually cut him 
And then I sat in that chair for seven years, the same chair. And I didn't have a pair of cleats my first year. We played in the Dome. I actually wore Wade Wilson shoes my first year. I didn't have a shoe contract, uh, anything like that, you know. So, And later, Wade Wilson actually became my QB coach in Dallas. So I was a small world. That chair we sat in was there for 18 years, you know. They always say the least – and listen, I live in New York, so we listen to sports talk radio. So if, you know, if Daniel Jones throws an incomplete pass, the next day they're calling up, they want the backup in. And they always say the backup has the least stressful job in the world. Second year, you're backing up now, Warren Moon. How do you stay focused? And you get anxious wanting to prove yourself, but you, or were you still in the mode of, you know what, I'm in the NFL, who cares? Yeah, I had a little bit different process. Honestly, I played 17 years and kind of gets lost. On, everybody thinks it's 15 by the back of the Wikipedia. But, but I was with Rich Gannon. And I had Jim McMahon as a starter the next year. Then Warren Moon was the quarterback. And then I wasn't getting any playing time. I didn't get, I didn't get scout team reps. For three years, I was the number three guy. And so I asked to go to the World League at that time. Went to London, played over there for a season. I needed game experience because I didn't play much in college. You know, didn't I needed get I was getting some practice time on my own, but I wasn't getting the real time. And so I went to I went to the World League, played over there, got a chance to prove uh, that I could play, I could lead a team, and finally got my opportunity. One moon got hurt, then I got a chance to start, and then then kind of run off with it, but. You know, that league, I always tell people, honestly, I tell people it's harder to get an opportunity to start than it is, to be, than it is harder to be successful when you are the starter. You just, it's just hard to get that spot. It, you know, the guy in front of you, is he a first-round pick? Is he a Hall of Famer? It's going to take him either leaving, him either playing bad or getting injured, and you have to be in the right position in your contract too. So it kind of it worked out perfect for me. Let me ask you a question with your time at the Monarchs, playing over there in London, and now we have games there, you know, two or three a year. Do you ever see a franchise going there? And how are the fans? I know, listen, I know they're soccer-centric. They played the Yankees there last year. You, you think we can somehow absorb an NFL team there? You think it's ever going to happen, like, in the next five, ten years? I know they're trying to make it work, you know. I think it's horrendous for an NFL player. I mm-hmm. do, personally. Yeah. Now, are you going to make some money? Yeah. But I think I think it would be really, really tough. Um Moving over for six months to travel back and forth between games, um, not along the money. I mean, not along the, the way the taxes are done, not along the way the travel's done. But then the organization that they bring in players every Monday and Tuesday to work them out. You know, you flying players all the way over to London to work them out, or you work them over in the states. You have two different headquarters. How are you doing your off-season programs? Listen, it's going to happen eventually. I'm not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. I, but I've been over London. The fans over there, they love football. It'd be awesome for them to have. It'd be awesome. But for a player actually having to play there, that would it'd be tough. It'd be tough on your family, bringing your whole kids and family. Like it, It's a little harder than people just they think. But thankfully, the NFL cares so much about the players and everything else. So you guys will always be first in the mind of everything else. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, Brad, favorite food out there in London? What food do you miss the most? I don't know. I can't remember, man. I mean, fish and chips. I, I was in so many different pubs. I can't remember. <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun over there. No doubt about that. Hey, and Henry, jump in whenever you have something to jump in with. But, uh, hey, Brad, 96-97, you're getting some real playing time. You make the playoffs. Was that the first time you knew you belonged? Did you have a welcome to the NFL moment? Yeah, you know, the pretty cool moment for me, honestly, was um, the last preseason game of 96. I had a great, great preseason in training camp. 
threw for a lot of touchdowns in, in, in the preseason games, but also had a lot of interceptions. It's weird. In the last preseason game, I had four interceptions in the second half. It was crazy. Had like two Hail Marys and two tip balls. And th- I threw these interceptions in the red zone. So I thought they were going to cut me. And the very next week, I mean, I thought they were going to seriously cut me. And um, the very next week, Warren Moon, he starts the game. He gets hurt. I come in the game. You could hear a pin drop. And because um, I didn't know if they wanted to play me, you know what I mean? <laughs> if I was ready. But came in, we beat the Detroit Lions to a uh, touchdown pass to Chris Carter, change right, base right, 086 F flat, caught him on a post, threw the touchdown pass. I gave the ball to my dad in the stands after the game. Uh, it was just really cool. And then very next week, we go to Atlanta. I was the NFC player of the week. So I go from like misery to like winning the job, running the team. NFC player of the week, um, you know, so it's a humbling game, you know what I mean? But, but opportunities are key. And then that year I led the NFC and I led the NFL in red zone efficiency. So that one game, as bad as it was, it was the best thing I had to go through that kind of adversity. And it's just some weird plays that happened. I learned from it. And then, so it's just kind of weird change of events that worked out in my favor. Let's uh, pause football talk and let's talk about the love life. Is it true that – because I tried to read quick on you on the New York train just now, which was an absolute disaster, and it read that you – did you go on a date with your wife and bombed and then 15 years met her? What's the story with that? Because I, I, I was trying to read it quick. Brad, I don't know if you, the New York subways are an absolute mess right now, so I'm trying to get service as – you know, there's a homeless guy next to you. I'm trying to figure it out. So what's the story with that and your, and your wife? Yeah, my wife, Nikki, and I, we've been married 21 years. We have two kids now. Uh, my quarterback coach at Florida State was Mark Rick. Uh, he benched me at Florida State, okay? So after I graduated a year, I've been in the league. He's like, Brad, man, he'd always talk about his sister to me. He has two sisters, Nikki. He said, man, you got to just <laughs> – I think you and Nikki might be a great combo. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, after all that took place in Florida State a year, we, we actually go on a date. Uh, we went uh, – we played tennis, went bowling, had pizza. But it was just long distance. Okay. It just wasn't – it just the timing of it, you know? Five years later, she's coming back in town, and Coach Rick, he's always kind of – my nickname was The Bull, long story, but every time she was, like, dating some other guy, she's like, he'd always kind of The Bull, The Bull, you know, and they kind of subliminal. She came in town again with the family. They lived in Tallahassee. She was down towards Boca, Delray Beach, and she came in town. We went, um, went bowling with the family, had pizza. And then um, Coach Rick's wife, Catherine, dropped her off. We had some TCBY ice cream, played Yahtzee. And then that guy kind of knew right then it was going to be – it was it was time. And uh, so then the rest is history. Oh, so you didn't really bomb the first day? Because I, I was under the impression you bombed it, and then you got to make nah. it up a few – oh, okay, okay, thank nah, God. I, I'm a... <laughs> You're a smooth no dude, Brad did, Johnson. Uh, you don't bomb. No bomb. Brad, did, did, uh, did Mark take a run at Max when he was running the U? That again? Or- yeah. Did, um, yeah, he did. Yeah, no, uh, he he'd offered Max. We'd taken a bunch of business there. Coach Rick's office, obviously the uncle and brother-in-law, great, great friendship, great connection. You know what? From Max, went through a bunch of schools. Don't want to go through the list of all the schools, but at the end of the day, he wanted to blaze his own path. I mean, Florida State with me or here in Georgia. We live in Athens, and this is, you know, school's four minutes away. You know, but he wanted to blaze his own path where he felt like it was the best fit for him in the end. And so that's why he chose LSU. Um, but a lot of respect for Coach Rick. We, he, we still next-door neighbors here in Athens, Georgia. 
now. So it's kind of a small world, but uh, no, there, there's definitely, we definitely looked at it and just Max had to do what was, felt were, was right for him. And your youngest son is going there as well, right? So yeah. Jake's my youngest son. He's a senior in high school. Uh, he's committed to the all American army game in January. And then he'll go to LSU in January. He's committed there now. So that's, that's kind of the plan. True that your son Max got a scholarship off in eighth grade, or is that a little internet rumor? No, he did. He did. We uh, first the first scholarship offers were from from Coach Rick and from uh, from Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. So they kind of happened back to back. And then there's you know obviously there's connections, but then kind of look at the bloodlines and project things. But some of those things aren't really committable. But they, you really kind of that's the, the dating process and. It starts sometimes it starts way too early for kids. Sometimes it's you know, some guys kids bloom a little bit different. But uh but Max he, he got to go through the whole process of meeting every coach you can imagine. Just like my other son Jake. And uh but they had, you know they had to make those decisions for themselves. How nervous do you get watching him play? You're watching your son play in the SEC, he's gonna get a lot of burn this year. How nervous do you get going in there? And do you comment, hey, we're doing this, we're doing that, or do you step take a step back? Well, let me let me talk about Jake first, okay? He's my tight end. I'm the QB coach, okay? He doesn't get enough balls thrown at him. I mean, I get why every stinky receiver is a prima donna. I'm a prima donna dad, and I'm the QB coach. I got the QB throw. Who are you going to throw to, man? Who are we throwing to? You know, throw to the big guy. I get it. I get it. But uh, now for Max, you know, Max, I mean, pretty much – with Jake, the tight end, I don't know how to coach him. I don't know how to block. I don't know how to run routes. He's got people to do that, and he kind of done well for himself. With Max, I mean, I've pretty much coached him out of the womb, uh, doing three and five step drops and ball security, job security, and you know how to throw people open and those kind of things. And he loves to play. Uh, coached all his middle school, high school teams, and now as the father in the stands, I'm pretty. I'm just the dad eating popcorn in the stands. I can't yell. He can't hear me. Um, there's nothing I can say. He has tremendous coaches and just trust that process now. So I'm just, I'm there really more for my wife, Nikki, and we're there more for support now. Thoughts on the superpower SEC? Cause it, it's getting crazy now with Oklahoma now in Texas as a fan. And maybe I'm wrong as a fan. I like it. I like that every week because it's an SEC football is exactly what you look for. So I'm like, I love this super league. What, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, when you, when you look at the NFL draft every year, you just do the numbers. Like who who gets there's more players in the SEC get drafted every year than any other conference. Usually an SEC team is playing for the national championship. I mean, it's 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 going through, I mean, it's going through the gauntlet now. It ain't, there's no easy victories. It's it's tough. So I do feel as a whole, it's the best brand of football. It's hard to get there. It's hard to win your division, not alone win the conference championship, the SEC championship, and then go through a, a a semi and final playoffs. So it's hard to get there. You beat each other up. You got great linemen, got great corners, got great players. I mean, I honestly at LSU, I'd say there's 40 kids on that team right now that are one day will be in an NFL uniform. So it's pretty much like an NFL team already, the way the practices are. So um got to earn your stripes. And one other question about college and, and for your son, obviously too, the name image likeness, it's going to be a cool thing. Now I was always for it. Listen up. For me, I hate when people say, oh, they're getting a free education. That's kind of cool, though, and it might kind of uh, change where you're going to uh, go to school, right? You don't know what schools are doing behind under the table now. I mean, if, if they're helping to get the name, image, and likeness going, uh, I think kids 
not every kid, but some kids are going to certain schools because because of being branded. What is, you know, how many followers do you have on Twitter and Instagram and how much money can you make on the side? You've heard a couple of kids making a million dollars. I mean, but then you'll get some kids getting, you know, a hundred dollars to go eat the fast food restaurant. You know what I mean? Like what's your worth, you know, what is your worth? So, but for us with our kids, we're going to take a little bit of a layback approach. I'm not really doing anything. I'll be honest with you. We're kind of going, we're, we're going to break the mold. Awesome. And when it's time, we'll, we'll figure it out. But right now we just stay focused on football for Max and lead your team, make the read, make the throw, make the play, and the rest of that stuff will take care of itself. Some Super Bowl talk. Watching Tom Brady try and copy you and win a title in Tampa Bay, your name came up a lot during the two weeks. And that must be awesome for you as a fan. It's like, come on, two weeks, so Super Bowl. But we heard Brad Johnson, Brad Johnson, Brad Johnson. How much bragging did you do? No. <laughs> Honestly, you know, when, when I was a free agent, going to Tampa, it was a big deal. Like, there were certain, certain teams I could have gone to in free agency, and there were certain reasons why I went to Tampa. One was because I thought it was the best fit. Uh, best contract that I could have got, and selfishly to be the first quarterback for that franchise to have won, honestly. And the last time a Super Bowl had been tagged in Florida was with you know Bob Greasy in 71, 72. You know, so it had been a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, But Tampa had a great organization with, with Tony Dungy and some guys that now become Hall of Famers and it worked out we won it. I wish we won, won multiple. But uh, – you know, it's been 18 years. We won it 2003, 2021. They win it again. Hadn't won a playoff game since. But the teams were very, very similar, to be honest with you. The scenarios were very, very similar. Had a tremendous defense. Both of them did top five defenses. Both of them, like this past year, I think they scored 145 points off of turnovers, 45 in the playoffs. Um, we had number one defense in the, you know, in the league. And then t- uh, Tom Brady being the first year of the system. We were in the first year of a system with John Gruden. We brought, we brought in like 15 to 19 free agents with Ken Dilger, Ricky Dudley, and Kenny McCardell, and uh, Joe Jarevicious, and Roman Olvin, and Kerry Jenkins, and Michael Pittman. Like, we upgraded. And so we look at Tampa. This, they upgraded. They, went, they, they brought in about 10 guys, the Gronks, the Antonio Browns, the Leonard Fournette. So not that all those kind of things work sometimes, but when you get the right fit of people – those things can magically happen, but they were seven to five at one point and they got hot at the right time. They won eight straight to win it out. Trivia question. Who was the halftime show at your Super Bowl? We had a little Shania Twain. How about that? <laughs> I'm impressed you knew that Shania Twain, no doubt and sting. I'm prepared that you knew that. Yeah, man. Uh, Celine Dion, she sang God bless America and the Dixie chicks sang the national anthem and Bon Jovi was singing after the end of the game. So, you, I'm not going to bore you because you've rehashed your story about how prepared Gruden was and all that. But I want to ask, going from a ninth-round pick, you were a backup, going to London, to the top of the world, all this while playing through injuries, which, you know, you get a lot of credit for. Where'd that drive come to keep playing and playing? And I know Wikipedia says 15 years. The internet's always right. But I'm going to believe you, Brad Johnson, say 17. Where'd that drive come from? Like, I'm going to keep going and going and going. Yeah, I think I had a passion for passion to play. Uh, grew up in North Carolina, small town, lived on the top of a mountain on a dirt road. The basketball goal was on a telephone pole with a wooden, with, with a wooden deal. So every, every, everybody has a story, whether you're from the hood or ghetto or family split up or, you know, you had some injury or got benched. You know what I mean? Somebody's got, you got a chip on your shoulder at some point. And I love to play. 
love to work at it and just thankful for opportunities. And I played for tremendous coaches and stuff, but you know, anybody's going to sign up for anything. It's tough. Like it's tough. You know, you think about that Rocky, but no, Rocky Balboa went out there and, 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 uh, and, and, and Rocky three went out there to see Apollo. Remember that? Of course. And he's walking in that, in that, in that old dirt dungeon gym and he's walking into it. We're Apollo trained. He said, tough, T-O-U-F-G-H. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about. You got to be tough. And uh, nothing's going to be given to you. And I, the one question I always ask people, like, I want to know about people. I want to know what, what's their adversity. What, what have you been through? If, uh, you know, that, that's, you got you to you love it. Ready to finish up with a few quick hit questions? Yeah, let's do it. You and I at a bar here in New York City. Who's the coolest dude in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you right back? I want you to name drop from here, Brad Johnson. Damn. Uh, I don't know. I'll go with Gruden. We'll go with Gruden. It'll be fun. And you know what? When, when we link up, we'll call Gruden and get him on the podcast. Best football movie of all time. Best what? Football movie of all time. I love the best of times with Kurt Russell. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of football movies. You know what I mean? But I, 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 I like that movie. Last player you asked for an autograph or a picture with? The other day at the Hall of Fame, I had to do it. Uh, I got my picture taken with John Elway and, and uh, Peyton Manning. Okay, two good ones. Here we go. Let me ask you this question. MLB played the Field of Dreams game the other night. Uh, the NHL plays the Winter Classic outside. I've read online the only answer people are really given are is Odessa, Texas, Friday Night Lights, where can the NFL do something like this? And I know it can't be a, a home game. People will lose money. Where is one place you would love to see the NFL play a game? Wow. 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 Oh, man. You, you stumped me on that one. You stumped me. Um, <laughs> I really don't have an answer. That, that's, that we're missing on that one. We're when, missing. When me, you – It'd and... have to be something like a Notre Dame. New, where one of the great legend, legend, you know, where Sammy Bob played or – It'd have to be something like that. I, I, I need to think about that. That's a great question. When me, you, and Gruden do another one, well, uh, you have that answer for me. Uh, let me ask <laughs> the coolest piece of memorabilia that you own. Not the Super Bowl ring. That's, you know, that's Mount Everest of memorabilia. What's the coolest piece of memorabilia you own? Right here. What Got is a letter that? from Larry Bird. Oh, shit. And it's right in front of you? Why, did you ha why do you have it right there? Well, I take you in my podcast room here, but Larry Bird, Larry Bird was my, he was my hero growing up mm -hmm. as a kid. And um, I got posters. I, this is my, you're in my ping pong room. I'll be honest with you. I got posters and helmets and all the above, you know what I mean? But um, I went through a little adversity in college and a friend of mine named T.R. Robinson met Larry Bird and I got a little letter written from Larry Bird. And, wow. And uh, so it's pretty cool, pretty cool letter. Just talk about uh, don't give up, keep on believing and those kind of things. And, and uh, I got posters all in my room here. It's pretty cool. Final question to me. What's cooler, being in a video game or being on your first football card? For me, it was my first football card. It really was. That when, I remember the guy gave me, uh, he wanted me to sign it. I was coming off a bus and I said, dude, let me have that. Let me have that card. You know what I mean? Where'd you get that card from? So uh, it was pretty cool. I didn't take it. I figured I'd get one later, but uh, that First time I saw that, I was like, that's pretty awesome. Brad, I go to a bunch of SEC games. I'm a big Kentucky fan, basketball fan. I go, I'm going to be down there when Kentucky plays LSU. I'm making my first trip. Me and Henry are going to come down to Baton Rouge. Uh, we'll link up for a beer at a tailgate. We yeah, we'll out. do it. 
And listen, this was an absolute blast, man. And Henry, have anything to finish up with? Oh, uh, yeah, Brad, I did just want to ask, Gruden's obviously intense, man, and I know you played with uh, for Denny Green as well. What was it like for, for, for Gruden, though? Yeah, no, nah, I, you know, it was really strange because I, I had, like, nightmares of, like, what he's really going to be like when I watch him on TV. But when he got the job, I called Rich Gannon, who who we were we were together in Minnesota, and he played for he played for Gruden in Oakland, and Rich just raved about him. He said, Brad, I, I'm, I'm sick right now. I'm sick that – He's leaving us. He's leaving me. And, uh, but you're going to love him. He's going to program you. You're going to love playing for him. You're going to love being in the meetings with him. You're going to have to learn a lot. You're going to have to study a lot. But he will have you game ready on game days. And uh, he was, it was true about it. So I love playing for Gruden. It was, it was, it was a lot of work. You got to understand his audibles and what he wanted from each play. But I loved it. And he, you know, he made us believe in, that we can win it all. And we did. Right, Johnson, an absolute pleasure. I'm going to buy you your first beer either in Lexington, Kentucky, or down Baton Rouge, my friends. Brad, thank you so much, man. This was a blast, brother. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, brother. See you, man. Hope you had fun, my friend. Very good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, bro.